season two of the Cold Stove Podcast officially begins right now, NRD. I am Brett Merriman, your host alongside the uh, the People's Newsbreaker, live from parts unknown. NHL rumors daily. Uh, ooh, NHL rumors daily. I almost said I, I, I come on like daily. Yikes! Yikes! NRD, what's going on, man? <laughs> what is up, Brad? It's season two. It's exciting. A rough I'm... start to season two for your boy. I apologize. Yeah, that's all right. Listen, it can only go up from here, so that's a good thing. It certainly um, can. Much like many of the teams we're going to be talking about today, much like their seasons. Yeah, no, it's 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 a good time of year. Camps are opening in less than two weeks for some. You know, rookie camps are underway across the league right now. It's it is officially like. What second round pick is tearing it up at Traverse City in the prospect tournament time of year? I'm excited for that. I'm excited for rookie camps, getting right into training camp. You got, you know, preseason coming up at the end of September, bleeding into October. And before you know it, we're back live with NHL hockey. So it's a great time of year. Dude, I was I was like excited myself. I was excited for development camp, which they kind of it's kind of a good mix of prospects and some uh, some young, young guys, a couple camp invites here or there that get everybody excited. Like Owen Power went to development camp this year for the Sabres, and it's like he's a man, you know, he's 6'6, 230. And then you see Yuri Slavkovsky for the Canadians, drafted at 6'3, 2 or 6'2, 220. Now he's 6'3, 238 at camp. He is a unit. He could play this year if he wanted to. I mean, that's a men, that's a male bot, like a, a man's man's body. A lot of people around the league said this kid is the next um Rick Nash in terms of his his power and his build and what he can be. And look, you said it. Those are the those are the figures on him. Those are his uh intangibles right now. I would not be surprised to see this kid come into the league and instantly be an effective power forward, especially when you're bulking up to 238. I mean, that's a monster on skates. Right. Ring the bell. Uh what's his what's his name? Jim Rome. Yeah. Give me your stats. This is the Cold Stove Podcast, by the way. Please subscribe. Uh, new season, we need some new subscriptions. If you're a new listener, uh, if you're an old listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, welcome in. And please give us a rating. Please subscribe. Please review. And please tell a friend about the podcast. We're serving all hockey stuff, all hockey knowledge. We're not, we, we don't want to be missing curfew or spitting chicklets. They have their lane where they, they can tell stories and they got NHL guys on. That's not us. That's not us. We are here to break things down, break some news. Um, informed speculation. NRD's got a Rolodex. I have a very much smaller Rolodex, but we're, we're here to kind of give you information and, and sort of a nuanced take on the game from a couple guys that have been doing this for NRD 10 years now, you said? Easily. 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 I think this years. is year 11 of NRD, year 12. Oof. So it's it's been a long time. I'm almost an old timer now. It's that's, almost getting to the point. Which where... is sad because that's how long it's been since the Sabres made the playoffs. Yeah, well, you know, some good... Some good teams. Those Danny B, Chris Drury era, Buffalo Sabres. It's unfortunate that they had to leave uh, at the same time. I'll yeah. put it that way. Um, NRD, this is going to be an episode where there's nothing, not necessarily speculating right now, nothing to break yet. It's kind of that calm before the storm around the league right now. And so we are going to go kind of division by division, take a look at teams. What are we excited about? What do we see coming? It's sort of like a an excitement podcast. I don't want to necessarily call it a preview podcast. We're not going to be like, oh, take the over on on the Buffalo Sabres point totals. We could throw that in there if we want. I know NRD bets is long, had a, a hot golf streak going, but he's got to get hockey back now. Yeah, that's it's a tough thing, right? Because the biggest moneymaker, I mean, they're starting up the PGA season, but I'm besides not, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, right? Yeah, but he unfortunately came back to uh, the Send us in. We did not hit on that one. But yeah, no, I'm excited for NRD bets. Like you said, it's not going to be a preview episode because I certainly wouldn't be taking the over on the Buffalo Sabres point total. Sorry, Brett. Um, Oh, I need to pull up my my book here. We're going to go division by division around the league. And I'm I'm really excited to talk about hockey, man. I'll tell you what, it's been a long summer. It's been too hot of a summer. Haven't really been able to get out on the golf course as much as I'd like to either. Just because, you know, who wants to tee up when it's, 98 degrees outside you just simply don't want to do that you don't want to be soaking wet and sweat and not not my kind of weather for golf so i'm excited to get back into hockey get back into the rumor cave do all the fun stuff and be rocking with you on cold stove yeah a little little housekeeping before we get going we're back to a once at least once a week you yep. cold stove podcast season two starts now 
Um, and we were talking, we think we're going to supplement the one episode at least per week, obviously when it's trade deadline and, and more news um, transaction kind of weeks, like the draft or trade deadline or free agency. That'll be a two episode a week kind of full on podcast. But we were thinking we're going to supplement with at least one, either it be short episode, uh, 20 minute Twitter space, something like that, that we can interact with the, uh, with the listeners of Cold Stove, et cetera. So plenty of content, more content this year than last year, uh, because Cold Stove is, is a growing brand, and we're excited to uh, be along for the ride along with the listeners here. So that being said, NRD, real quick, um, refuting your horrendous saber slander, their over-under point total is 77.5. They are going to smoke that. Smoke yeah. that. They're going over 90 this year. I don't know if they make the playoffs, but they're over 90 points. Over 90. Is there an alt point total? Can you take over like 85? Can, uh, you, can you get an alternate uh, line on that? Not on my book that I'm seeing, but I will try to find it because it is, it's over 77 and a half minus 115. It's not exactly the most valuable bet there is. Yeah, well, you know what? We might have to start a show, uh, show account. And we'll just like it's a rolling joint show betting account where we just post in whatever Brett says to take on the Sabres um, and we'll let it fly. Speaking of post, hometown of Post Malone, Dallas, Texas, stalwart of the, um, the Western Conference. So let's start with their division, NRD, shall we? Yeah, start in the Central. Let's start in the Central. The Dallas Stars... Um, Future neighbors of the Austin Coyotes, obviously. I'm excited about a team like that. But what 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 intrigues you about the Central overall? Arizona is coming back with with some more firepower. You know, Jeremy Roenick is always going to open his mouth in the offseason. Chicago's might be the worst team of all time. Colorado coming off a Stanley Cup win. Nashville, Minnesota, St. Louis, always, always, always right there. And then Winnipeg, last year's Stanley Cup favorites to some people, kind of in limbo. New coach, guys aren't exactly super happy to, to, to be there, already, uh, you know, Mark Shifley. So mm-hmm. what about the Central is, uh, is intriguing you this year, NRD? Let's start where you, you mentioned in the, the great segue uh, amidst the Dallas Stars. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what they do with a full year of Jake Ottinger at the top of his game, right? Like Jake Ottinger... We knew Ottinger was a great goaltender. We knew he was younger than some of the other options they had going back to this time last year. They had Holtby. They had, you know, um, Anton Kudobin. They had Ben Bishop, who was kind of, we didn't know if he was going to play again. And they had Ottinger. Well, as we said last year, and look where we're at now, they're down to, you know, Ottinger being that guy. I think the rest of the team has cleaned house in net, or the rest of the net, the goaltending room has, has cleaned house. So, I'm excited to see what Ottinger could do. He bursted onto the scene in the playoffs against Calgary. I think he made like 108 saves in that in that overtime game against Calgary, it felt like, in game seven. So he's got a new contract. I'm excited to see what he can do. Jason Robertson, one of the most exciting hockey players in the National Hockey League. Um, I'm really intrigued by what he can do again in another full year. They got Pete DeBoer behind the bench now in Dallas. I'm really excited to see what they can do. I don't want to make this a prediction type of show here because no, no. It's, it's still a little early. We got time. We got training camp. But I don't I don't even want to say they're in the top three in the division. I think there's a great chance Dallas is winning that division this year. Interesting. Interesting. By the way, your, your boy, Jake Ottinger, plus 1,800 to win the Vesna. He is currently tied with Thatcher Demko in that department for fifth favorite in the league. Not bad. I had Not a guy bad. like I had a Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll echo your sentiment there on Dallas. I think they're an exciting team, but I, I look at Colorado as sort of the obviously the stalwarts in that division and Stanley Cup champion. But Colorado's losing guys, and has lost guys. Nazem Kadri was a big producer for them last year, and you could say a lot of that success was attributed to you know. McKinnon and Rantanen, the guys he was playing with there. You know, and I don't want to take anything away from Colorado because I think they're the best Stanley Cup champions we've had in the past, you know, 10 years easily. I think the way that team was constructed, I think the way the team played down the stretch, 
they were just an elite hockey club, except for, you know, in net, there were a couple question marks before they got it done. But we're talking about a Colorado team that going into last season, the big question was, they've always fell short in the second round. Can they get over the hump? Can they get over the hump? And they hadn't been able to for a good, you know, three or four years. Nathan McKinnon starts eating nothing but chickpea pasta. and You know, they finally get it done. I don't want to take anything away from the Colorado Avalanche because it is a huge, you know, weight off their shoulders to get that, you know, get that trophy, get those rings and get that banner raised. But will there be some sort of a Stanley Cup hangover for that team? Will there be, hey, we spent three or four years talking about how this team can't get over the hump. They have that year. They have the success. You lose a key piece in Nazem Kadri. You bring in Alexander Georgiev, who, for all intents and purposes, you know, solid 1B, I think, to this point in his career. He's going to get that chance to start now with Darcy Camper in Washington. So I think there are things that can make you believe that Colorado is going to have a little bit of a Stanley Cup hangover. Are they the team of two years ago where it's like really great team, early season favorites? Can they get over that second round hump again? And I think that's my thing with Colorado. I love Colorado. I don't want to take anything away from them. But in the back of my mind, I have the feeling of, is this the Colorado now of two years ago where we knew they were a great hockey club, but, you know, can they get over that hump again? We know their defense is going to be good. Makar, Johnson, Gerard, Josh Manson, shouts to the Northeastern Huskies, and maybe the most probably was underrated and now is is properly getting the credit he deserves in Devon Taves as a defenseman. Um, but then you look at a guy like Evan Rodriguez, love him as a hockey player, is he Nazem Kadri though? Is that a one for one trade? I don't. I don't think so. Not nothing against Evan Rodriguez. He's a fantastic, fantastic hockey player that also has been underrated. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with them because I. I do they set the pace like they did last year and kind of going head to head against Florida for the most points? I don't. I don't see it as much. But it's Colorado, and you can never cut them out. Um, the other thing with Colorado is that. They got to get it done this year because uh, certain guy named Nathan McKinnon ever heard of him at RD? Good player. Uh, his contract is up at the end of the season, and he's currently making six point three million dollars. He's not going to be making six point three on his next one. There is a very good chance that that number is double six point three next year. Potentially, Connor McDavid's at twelve five. Would you be surprised if McKinnon eclipses that next year, next summer? No, not with the salary cap going up. No, hopefully exactly. next summer, hopefully the year before the, or the year after that. So no, I wouldn't be surprised. And that's not a slight to, you know, it's not a slight to McDavid. It's not to say that McDavid is not better than McKinnon. I do believe McDavid's the most skilled hockey player on the planet. Maybe the most skilled hockey player that's ever lived, but you know, as we see in other sports, it's like this guy, this quarterback has the best contract, the you know highest paid quarterback in the league. And then the next year, as the salary cap moves up, then it's this guy. So I think that linear progression, yeah, I could easily see McKinnon eclipsing McDavid's deal this year, especially with a $93 million salary cap, which is what I've heard is the number that the league is going to target. Yeah, and and I want to talk about that at some point. Oh, let's You know what? Screw it. Let's talk about it right now. People are up in arms over signings like Tage making Tage Thompson, that is, making seven plus million dollars a year. Robert Thomas making eight plus million dollars a year. These guys are getting contracts that are eating up 10% of the salary cap. And that's okay. Like I'm okay with Tage's deal. And this is the, I think this is the first time I get to talk about it publicly. It is. Like not on Twitter and have some nuance to it. Um I'm okay with these deals because when you look at the league recouping revenues that they owe the owners because the owners basically floated the league and the players' cash mid-pandemic when there was no league-related revenue coming in other than TV, which also went away for a while, right? Because there were no games. Mm -hmm. So the players, they owe the owners, right? Correct. That has kept the salary cap artificially... Deflated. Deflated, flat, you, you name the word, right? So now that there's new TV deals ticking in, plus a new team in the league providing more revenue, plus the general revenue of the league going up from a merchandising standpoint, from this XYZ thing. So basically, the league has more money than it ever has before in terms of revenues. That pushes the salary cap up. 
and it's going to go up much quicker than anticipated. People thought it was going to take five years to pay back these debts. It's going to be like a year and a half. And so once that's complete, there'll be another year like this year where it's up a million dollars to 83 and a half. It's 82 and a half this year. And then at some point, if the Players Association gets its way, and if I'm sure the league wants higher salary cap, it's going to go up like crazy. And we're going to see so much more room for these guys to play. Now, there's an argument that this is going to be much like it is now, and a guy like Austin Matthews and McKinnon, they're going to make $14, $15 million a year and kind of eat into that extra space that every team is looking for. But it's going to create these contracts that are crazy. Yeah, right. And McDavid, McDavid in four years, five years, is going to be like the 10th most highest paid player in the league. So long-winded way of saying that I'm okay with guys making probably over their value, especially with a bet on a guy like Tage who's played extremely well for one season. Now is a seven-year deal at seven-plus million dollars because it's not going to impact the team's salary cap as much in four years when you're kind of like, if, if the contract goes well, great. And, and he's a $10 million player, great. You got him for seven. If it doesn't go well and you're four years in, it's not devastating to the salary cap. Correct. So I'm a long, long way of saying it. I am very much okay with these deals because the salary cap is going up much, much quicker than probably was expected two years ago. When yeah, you're thick of the pandemic. You're right? going to be all right by year three in that contract. And I don't think it really hurts as bad as, you know, right now. But if you could stomach, you know, the cap hit to this point, I think you'll be all right. And like you said, I, you know, that's the expectation of most general managers around the league as well. I mean, they're not, I don't think anybody thinks that Vinny Trocek is a, you know, a 625 by seven year player. I think that mm-hmm. when the salary caps, you know, 93 million in a couple of seasons, then that becomes a lot more manageable. So I think that's the that's the play for a lot of these contracts that we've seen. I mean, you know, and, and you look at like Evan Rodriguez, right? A guy that signs for a lot of value. Colorado's going to have some flexibility as opposed to what the Nazem Kadri deal could have been for Colorado, right? It would have mm-hmm. been a massive deal there. They get a little bit more flexibility for when the cap goes up. They have, you know, tons of options with McKinnon after this year. McCart, you know, is under under contract there. They have Devontae's. They have a bunch of guys in Colorado now that they have flexibility to work with because they stayed away from that and the cap's going to go up. No doubt. Maybe you are a GM, though, and you're listening to this podcast, NRD, and you might have a little anxiety about what's going to be the team this year, maybe the cap going up. You don't know how you're going to pay your guys correctly. That's where we have a, a word from our friends over at BetterHelp because BetterHelp is providing online therapy to help you in a, in a whole bunch of different ways because mental health, something you need to take care of just like your physical health, just like your, your emotional health. It's all, it's exactly what better help is here for. Um, you know how mental health is just becoming more and more of a factor for athletes specifically NRD. A lot of these teams have sports psychologists and team therapists and something that's traditionally been sort of, not overlooked, but just not so much in the forefront. Now there's staffs of, of not only trainers for their physical health, get their bodies back right, but their mental health to get their brains back right. Pretty Absolutely. much every golfer I know who's at the top of their game on tour has a traveling sports psychologist. So I don't see the yips anymore. And if you do, they work them out. Look at Willie Will Z, his putting stroke. That was all. There you go. Figure that one out. I am a personal user of BetterHelp. I've been through a lot over the last year or so, family, uh, family health-wise, I'll put it that way. And I kind of, I'd never done therapy before in my life. I had nothing against it, just kind of didn't know where to start. And that's where BetterHelp is absolutely perfect. It's an online therapy provider that you log on, you answer kind of a questionnaire, say, hey, here's what I'm looking out of this, or here's what I'm dealing with, whether it's anxiety, uh, depression, it could be body image issues. It could be money issue. It could be like, there's so many different things kind of that you can, the boxes that you can check and say, I'm struggling with this. And to certain degrees, like, oh, it's just a minor inconvenience. Like I'm having trouble sleeping or it's, I literally cannot function because of these thoughts that I have in my head. And they, they have, they provide you with this perfect kind of questionnaire to, to get you set up with the person that you need. Um, 
And it's helped. It's helped tremendously. I'll be honest with you. And I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know what my goals were. I just kind of wanted to try it. And it kind of gives you an unbiased third person view at, at the stuff going on in your head. For me, it's a lot of grief over the loss of my dad. And so talking through that kind of stuff with somebody who's not a friend per se, or not a family member, um, has been huge, has, has helped big time. So it's relieved stress, it's relieved anxiety, and it's just overall uh, made me feel better. It's kind of like a prescription for your mental health in a way. Um, so if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. Convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. You get matched with a therapist after filling out a survey, like I said, and you can switch therapists at any time. If you don't want to be seen on camera, you can just be on the phone. If you don't want to talk to anybody on camera or audio, you can just message with them back and forth. That easy. When you're ready to feel at the top of your mental health game, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com stove today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash stove. Um, NRD, we mentioned Tage Thompson, so let's do it. Let's go to the Atlantic. Yeah. From the Buffalo Central Sabres. to the Atlantic. This is the road trip. This is the cold stove road trip. The cold stove roadie. A lot going on this offseason. Two of the offseason darlings, right? Am I right in saying Detroit and Ottawa? Yeah, I think I'm ahead of Detroit, but yeah. Do you sort of, uh, do you concur with that? And, and now all of a sudden teams that traditionally, and I say traditionally in the last five years or so, haven't had expectations. Now there's, there's expectations in both Detroit and Ottawa. Maybe it's not to win the Stanley Cup this year, but it's certainly to take a step forward, no? It is to take a massive step forward. I think Ottawa, you know, I, I can't sit here and not say that Ottawa has Stanley Cup aspirations. Wow. You don't you have it here first. you don't have the great young core that you have in Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat. You don't Josh have Josh Norris. Josh Norris. Yeah, there you go. Throw him in the, the bracket. ADB, right? They made that big trade for ADB at the draft. They have, you know, Drake Batherson. They have guys there in Ottawa. Alex Formansion, right? Uh who? Tim Stutzla. Who you know what's funny about Tim Stutzla? When people list Ottawa's young guns that they have there. Everybody seems to forget about Tim Stutzla, second overall pick. Just like you just did. <laughs> yeah, I just did that. See? Hand up. That was on me. But all those guys, right? You have that young core, and then you bring in a Claude Giroux. Then you bring in a Tyler Mott to round out your bottom six. Yeah, a little bit of sandpaper with that, too. You're still going after a veteran defenseman. Maybe a Jacob Chikrin out of Ottawa. So, I mean, out of Arizona. Austin, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but you don't make those moves unless you have Stanley Cup aspirations, much like what the New York Rangers did with their young core last year, right? They had that young core of Lafreniere, mm -hmm. Keandre Miller, you know, Capo Caco, Filipino, and they went out and they got a Ryan Reeves. There's your sandpaper. They went out and they got Tyler Mott, who the Ottawa Senators just acquired. They Barclay went out. Goodrow. Barclay Goodrow. There's your veteran center. So, like, I see Ottawa having no Stanley Cup aspirations now. Ottawa doesn't have any worse to in the net. And I think that's the one thing that, you know, maybe holds Ottawa back is the Rangers benefited from having, you know, probably the probably a top five statistical goaltending season of all time. I think that's like a legitimate stat. You can check me on that one. But I think it's up there with like Carey Price in 2011, Dominic Koshik in 97, 98. So like a statistically insane season out of Shesterkin. I don't know if Ottawa gets that in the net right now, but absolutely they have Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup aspirations, and I do think they're going to make the playoffs. By the way, uh, Shesterkin plus 200 I have to win the Vesna. Yeah, well. More or less, not even money, but double your money kind of stuff. Next closest would be Vasilevsky at 500. And then maybe a little interesting one here. At plus 800 on the island, Ilya Sorokin. Ooh. That's kind of like maybe like a step forward for him too. But I think you're right. I think I think it's it's very much playoffs here for the Ottawa Senators or else it's a disappointing season, especially with a guy like Giroux. Like Claude Giroux doesn't come in and I get it's home and I get he's building the house in Ottawa, right? Everybody loves to talk about where people are building houses. Yep. My one question. But it is, it is a legit team. I just don't know if outside of Giroux, 
you have the, the veteran leadership there. Obviously a very good pick, but like Cam Talbot, great goalie, bring him in, settles that room down with Anton Forsberg. But goalies not, you know, unless you're a Patrick Waugh or, or Dominic Tashik, goalies are kind of in their own world. They're Absolutely. not vocal locker room leaders usually. There's obviously expectation or uh, uh, exceptions there. But I mean, Nikita Zaitsev and, and Travis Hamanick, is that is that your core leadership group? Along with Giroud, like it doesn't feel it feels like they're a year a year away from just somebody stepping up and turning 30 or 29. Like they're young still. They're young, extremely talented, and on paper. They're a good hockey team, but if they go down to nothing and Giroud can't really light things up, where, who do you turn to in that locker room? Could you make the R? So I have two things about Ottawa. Number one, I agree with you, and I'm going to get to that point in a second. I think my main question would be Cam Talbot. Can Cam Talbot do it as the lead guy for, you know, 55 games this year and then go into a playoff run? I think oh, well, the jury's He certainly out. earned it, right? He's like, earned it, the opportunity, don't get me wrong. I just... He hasn't really shown that he can yet, right? He's earned the opportunity to yet. It's a, it's a show he's me league. A, he's been a great 1B and behind Flurry last year, or or even with Flurry, right, in Minnesota, he there were people saying, hey, Talbot should be the playoff starter here. Yep. And he didn't get that opportunity. So he said, All right, screw you, Billy Garrett. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go do something with it. So I am excited to see Cam do his thing. You know, he's had opportunities before, but it's kind of been like yeah, and as a goalie, you can develop in your 30s. Absolutely. You're not necessarily on the downslope because you can be smarter and more, you know, you know the game better, you know your angles better, you know what you can't do. But it's not as much of a physically, like, you don't need your legs at 100% like you were at 23 to be a stud goalie. And Correct. you can play 50 games or 55 games, and that's okay for a 1A in this league. It is. So... That's my question. Now, I think to your previous point about the leadership there, I think it's a fantastic point. My question to you is, does that not scream similar parallels to Carolina over the last couple of years? Has Carolina lacked that main leader? And I know they have Jordan Stahl there. And Jordan Stahl has been a mainstay in that Carolina organization. And he's, you know, he's been the de facto leader there for quite some time. But mm -hmm. they haven't. I, I think you can draw parallels to, you know, Jordan Stahl being your Claude Giroux. Do they have anybody else outside of him that can step up? And I think Carolina's lacked that. So I think it helps your point to say that, you know, there's a great case study and a great young core, guys that are ready to go, but maybe just too soon to, they have to grow into their sneakers. They have to grow into their skates, I think, in, you know, in Ottawa, much like they are doing in Carolina right now, who I think Carolina's going to be a great club this year. But yeah, I, I think it was an excellent point. I just wanted to shout that out and draw that parallel to, Carolina, who I think was in a very similar position to the one you just mentioned with Ottawa. And you know what? Maybe Claude Giroux makes both of us look fucking dumb mm -hmm. and and can do it himself and can be that leader. So I'm, I'm just very excited to see them. Now, we mentioned Detroit, another team who, by all accounts, had a big offseason. They kind of have a little bit of momentum there in Detroit, right? Stevie Y knows what he's doing. So... They don't have the same problem that Ottawa has. They do not. Where they have they brought in some older guys. So they have Ben Chirot comes in. He's 30. They have uh oh, what's his name? Uh, that they've uh Perron. David Perron from in. St. Louis, yep. So all of a sudden they're bringing in more veteran leadership to kind of guide this team that's got Larkin, uh, that's got Vrana who's going to be healthy this year. Bring in that little Dominique Kubelik. So there's there's some guys here along with the youngest talent, right? There's the Lucas Raymonds of the world and most siders of the world. Bring in Vili Huso to kind of back things up in net, and you have Nedeljkovic there too. All of a sudden, Detroit's a little bit of a popular pick. Now, the biggest problem with Detroit and Ottawa is the division they play in. Correct. There's three and teams so in that yeah, division. You gotta go up against the the some heavy hitters like Boston's never gonna back down from a fight. Tough to go play in Boston. Florida's still one of the best teams in the league. Tampa may be the best team in the last five years outside of Colorado. So there's no breaks in that league, and, and especially with an improved Buffalo. Mm -hmm. you, and 
you think Montreal's going to lay down like they did last year? No. No. And then the fucking elephant in the room, and I know my buddy Shaq is yelling at me, Toronto. It's, they're still Toronto. Yep. So that, that division top to bottom, I'd argue, is, is the best division in hockey. I, think, and I don't think it's particularly close. I think you can lock in your three playoff teams. or Let me say two, right? Because I'm a little bearish on Florida. Paul Maurice is a great head coach. You know, I think they will end up in the playoffs, but I'm interested to see what happens in Florida. I think last year was a big letdown. Let's see how they step up. Obviously, they add in one of the best. Like, if you could build a 21st century prototype of a hockey player, it'd be Matthew Kachuk. So, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I don't think they're going to be bad. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But let's see how they respond. You know, they lose Huberdeau, who was very well-liked in that locker room, and, and so is Mackenzie Weger. I don't know if you got a chance to see um, – Aaron Eckblad's comments about that trade, but it was I like, did not. they were, you know, I don't want to very loosely paraphrase. They were kind of blindsided that oh, Huberto yeah. left and Mackenzie Weger left. And that's not to say that Kachuk isn't a great player and that they're going to welcome him in as a team. I don't think there's any rift or, you know, displeasure with management there. I just think it's a blindside when you have a guy like Jonathan Huberto, who was drafted by that organization, grew into his own in that organization. And Mackenzie Weger, who was there for quite some time, for them to just go in one offseason after, you know, falling short of expectations, it takes a toll. So I'm really interested to see how that Florida team kind of steps up. And if they, you know, punch back and get back to where they were last year, or if they crumble a little bit. So take them out of it for a second. I think you could say Toronto's a lot to make the playoffs. I think you could say that Tampa's a lot to make the playoffs because of Andre Vasilevsky. I think there's questions on the Tampa Bay blue line. They don't have Ryan McDonough anymore, who... Definitely not on the top of his game that he was, you know, maybe five, six years ago, but still glue guy on that blue line um, besides Victor Hedman and Andre Suster and guys that they had there. So like over the years. Um, so those two locked, I think Boston's another interesting team. David Krejci's back from the Czech Republic. Who knows what David Krejci's going to be? Patrice Bergeron's giving it one more trip around the sun with the Boston Bruins. Who knows what Brad Marchand's future is? Well, so, he, he's, yeah, he comes back in November. I saw it today. Yeah. So he'll be out for the first probably month and a half of the season. Yeah. So like, I, I think the only two you can kind of, I don't even want to say Sharpie him in, maybe write it in pen, um, not pencil, but pen is the, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I think there is an opportunity for a Montreal, a Buffalo, uh, an Ottawa, a Detroit to get hot and slot into that third spot. Because I think for, for all the, hey, they're young, this might not be their time question marks that, you know, those teams that I just mentioned have. I think there's question marks on the side of, you know, the Floridas and the Boston Bruins and the, you know, the, who's the other team that we just named? Montreal? No, I think we're good. I think I just talked myself around in circles because NRD can do that and I just referred to myself in the third person. But no, I think there's question marks around the veteran teams that have been mainstays in that division as well. So I think that third spot is up for grabs. Maybe I won't go so f- I won't go that far yet. Uh, on, in terms of that third spot, I still see a Tampa, Toronto, Florida top three, and you you know you name the order type of thing. But I will go so far as to say there's five teams going to the playoffs in the Atlantic because you look at their conference neighbors and the Metro, and we don't have to go to the Metro yet, just yet. But I think there's three teams there. And potentially should only be two in the playoff conversation. And that is New York and Carolina. And then I could see the third team in that division having fewer points than the sixth team in the Atlantic. That'll be my, if we're doing bold predictions here, that'll be my bold prediction. I like it. Um, but before we move out of the Atlantic, Let's 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 talk about the Buffalo Sabres a little bit. If that's okay with you, that is no, perfectly fine with me. You've earned it. Thank you. Um, the most excited I've been for a hockey season since two thousand nine. I mean, over a decade. Well, you know what? That's probably hyperbole. When, when Jack and Sam were suiting up for the first time, I was like, okay, this is going to be fun. You know, like, you kind of have that. But this is as excited as I've been and as optimistic as I've been since the, the Jack and Sam 
and, and, and very much so, obviously, the, the mid-2000s playoff savers. But when you look at the talent coming up, and it's all going to be about can guys take another step? Because that's sort of all that's been promised with the Sabres is that young guys are going to get opportunities. Peyton Krebs, Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka. Um, shooty, I mean, even Tage Thompson's only 24. Like, he's not an old guy. Matias Samuelson, Rasmus Dallin. They have one of the best defensive cores. And the oldest guy is Ilya Labushkin. who came over from Toronto. He's 28. And so all of a sudden... They're, this team has a bit of a look to them, and it's going to be young guys, and there's going to be off nights. There's going to be track meets where they got to win 6-5 or lose 6-5. And I just cannot freaking wait, NRD. Dylan Cousins, another guy who's going to – like he's he is the, the Tage Thompson breakout player of the year for the Sabres. If Dylan Cousins puts up 30 and 40, that's kind of what people are, are – looking for from him that kind of that big next step but it's just such an exciting year because now they have a goalie in Eric Comrie to, to compliment Craig Anderson you know Craig Anderson obviously still in the plans there but the future is finally finally bright for Buffalo there's no more well if we have this other like there there is they're not complete yet these guys need to be the best versions of themselves before we're talking playoffs, let alone Stanley Cup aspirations. But the pieces are there. Now it's about development. So we've kind of gotten out of the, you know, in the superhero movies, all the things coming together. Right now it's about getting there as a team. The core is there. It's the Thompson, Krebs, Jack Quinn, Paterka, Power, Samuelson, Darlene. The young core is there. I didn't even mention Cousins. And now where do we go with it? Now what do we do with it? And so I just cannot wait to see who takes that step. And I know it's not all going to go right. Like I can see there's a scenario where Jack Quinn, who is 175 pounds, six feet tall, and got absolutely bodied out of the AHL playoffs last year, where Paterka looked much better. There's scenarios there where Jack Quinn plays 10 games, has no points, and looks overmatched, and everybody's like, what's wrong with Jack Quinn? Yeah. Is he hurt? Legitimate. And I could absolutely see that happening to start the season because he's not a full-grown guy yet. Whereas Cousins is kind of like, all right, dude, you're 6'3", going to be 200 pounds after this summer hunting in, in the Yukon. Now it's your time to step up. And where he's been a good player, the good defensive player, now it's start, now you got to finish. So I just think the Sabres are an interesting team. If they stay healthy, that finally has a little bit of depth, finally has some, some weaponry that they can just more than that first line, and it'll be a good first line with Skinner Thompson and Alex Tuck, who's only 20, what's that, 26, by the way? Yeah. We, we speak to Alex Tuck on the Sabres like, like he's, he's this elder statesman. Yeah. He's 26. That is nuts. And so finally, just some optimism and some momentum and some expectations, frankly. Like, we're not, we're not trying to tank for Shane Wright this year. No. Or we're not trying to take for, tank for Connor Bedard or Medvey Mishkov or Adam Fantilli or you name the crazy 2023 class that's coming up. Now... We want meaningful hockey in February and March in Buffalo. And this team should deliver it, provided everybody stays healthy. I think they will. I actually want to indulge myself on some Buffalo Sabres, Sabres talk for a minute. I'm enjoying sure. this. I'm going to offer you up a spin zone because like everybody knows here, Cold Stove listeners, they, they know that Brett is the Buffalo guy here. You could say, and I, I think I'm very confident saying this to start, that they're – their weakest point, their question marks are still in the net, right? Like, we don't know what Eric Comrie is. Craig Anderson's, you know, 86 years old. Uh, he's 41 years old. Yeah, he's old. Um, you know, Portillo's not there. Um, the other name, who, who's the other prospects? Well, 
Devin Devin Levi's Devin doing his year at Northeastern. Yeah. He'll he'll by all accounts he'll sign after the Northeastern season is over. Hopefully after a natty. Okay, so here's where I'm going with this. Yeah, okay. of course, got to get the Northeastern Huskies a national championship this year. Here's where I'm going with this. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. We've seen for the last three off seasons now the goaltending carousel in the National Hockey League. Some bigger yeah. names: Mark Andre Fleury changing teams, Alexander Georgiev not as big of a name as Fleury, but switching sides, and we've seen that carousel move. Couple of big names that have been, you know, bubbling under the surface right now in that goaltending carousel for years to come. John Gibson, Connor Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. Do you almost think that you're in a great position if you're the Buffalo Sabres to not have Portillo and Devin Levi sign right now? Because if this team does get hot with that young core that you mentioned, and maybe they're a very established top tier goalie away from making that run, you can now strike on a Connor Hellebuck or a John Gibson next offseason because you don't have those guys already committed to and accounted for in net? It won't happen. You don't think so? It just won't happen. No, I, I, and I know where you're coming from. And I, if, if there was a time to do it, it was this summer. Yeah. It was this summer um, on Gibson. It was this summer to try to make, maybe you want to do like a Jonathan Quick situation for a couple of years and get that established guy. It was this summer. And now that they have not done it and Comrie was the answer there, they, you know, we, have, we, have, we know they tried on Matt Murray. Yep. We know the trade was, was done. Yep. It was in place. And Murray called called it off. He he, he old, pulled the old itch nay. So they that this was the summer to do it because you have Levi specifically. I think Portillo has sort of become a little disillusioned with the Buffalo Sabres because he knows that he's not named Devin Levi, nor is he named Ukapeka Lukinen, who is still the there, former the former goalie of the future yep. in Buffalo, who is now uh, the Rochester Amherst full-time number one down there with Malcolm Subban. So no, I, I, I see your point. And while in the short term, I, I would agree with you and be like, Oh, go get, go get somebody and, and put this team in the position they need to be in right this second and have this all-star goaltender. And it sounds good, but it's a little like kind of Adam and Eve biting the apple. Like you can do that. But are you setting yourself up for the five-year window they want to have starting in 2024, basically? See, I, you know, embrace debate. I think that I think you do with John Gibson or Connor Hellebuck. I think they're young enough to keep you in that window. I'm not oh, talking. I think, I'm not talking I think to Jonathan Hellebuck Quick for sure. Yeah, I'm not talking to for Jonathan sure. Quick or a or a Mark Andre Fleury. I think I agree 100 percent to your point. If you're going to strike on a Fleury or a or a Jonathan Quick or one of those guys, I think you know this past off season was the off season season to do it. But I think the ball game changes when a perennial Vezina, you know, favorite slash candidate slash mention in Connor Hellebuck, if he becomes available, if Winnipeg really, you know, the, the bottom falls out from underneath them this year, mm-hmm. you know, and his name gets starts to get thrown around. I think that I think that changes. And it's not to disagree with you. I, I agree with your point on some names, but I think you can keep that 2024, 2025 window open with a guy like Connor Hellebuck. And, I, and we could debate John Gibson, but Hellebuck's a big name and he's one of those guys in, in Winnipeg just like a Mark Shifley, just like a Pierre-Luc Dubois, that like underneath the surface, those names have been rumbling because nobody really knows out in Winnipeg what's going to happen with that franchise this year. Is this Cheval Dayoffs last year? So I think you have to keep that line of communication, that line of thought process open if you're Buffalo, because I think he's the type of goalie. You put him there, there is your all-star goalie for the next five, six years. He's young enough and he's proven enough. I, I don't hate it, especially, so Gibson only has, or excuse me, Hellebuck only has two years on his contract. So the, that all of a sudden, I don't hate two years at $6 million, especially when you have the, the cap space that the Sabres have. And, but my, my concern there is less long-term because you're, you're, you know, what are you going to say to Devin Levi? You're going to be like, oh, I'm mad that a, a Hall of Fame goaltender is starting over me? Like, sorry, Devin Levi. You're good. You're not Connor Hellebutt good yet. So I don't hate that. My concern switches to, what do you give up to get him? Yep. Well, now, do you give up a Devin Levi with a rebuilding oh, Winnipeg? Gosh. Do you give up an you know, Eric Portillo? Do you give up, you know, a Devin Levi? Do you give up a litany of young defensemen that at one point we were like, who the hell do the Sabres have on the blue line? So now the Sabres have too many prospects on the blue line. So yeah, the, they have yes. options. Like I think if you're and we've said this on the podcast going back over a year now, and you're, you know. You've been well on top of this, better than I ever, better than anybody really that I've known in the media, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass, that the Sabres 
have always maintained that mindset that they have the flexibility now to, to make those moves if those moves become available. So I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I wouldn't necessarily be worried about what they have to give up with the flexibility that they have now, you know, both in the AHL level, both overseas, both with draft picks, you know, I wouldn't be too worried. No, you're, you're right. They do have more depth than any Sabres team I can remember. Um, especially with the, the prospect pools, you see them a lot of, you know, the rankings are just rankings, right? Yep. Like every, anybody can write a prospect ranking, but they are in the top three of everybody's prospect rankings across the board. And so you, you do like, I guess like I was, I was comfortable this off season moving a first round pick because this one, they had three of them and two, how many more Matt Savoy's and Yuri Kulich's can you, can you add to the, to the, to the pool? Mm -hmm. I mean, at some point, you're going to have a guy playing 25 minutes a night in Rochester when he should be playing 21 minutes a night in Buffalo, but there's just no room. And so they had, they're going to have guys like that. Portillo is a perfect example. If he went to, to Winnipeg, like Portillo, um, Ryan Johnson mm -hmm. is a great example. Minnesota Golden Gopher defenseman who, as of right now, has no spot and knows it and is less than a year away from going to free agency, even though he's a first-round draft pick by the Sabres. It's like, it's crazy. We're going to start running into that problem, and it's such a good problem to have. Right. Don't get me wrong. But that's going to be – yeah, like that's going to happen. Portillo and Johnson, if you don't get anything back from them and they're not going to sign with the, with the Sabres, you know, obviously Johnson gives you a compensatory pick, a second-rounder. And you have three second round picks next year, a first round pick this year, next year. You have guys like Portillo, Johnson, even a couple like Isaac Rosine. Um, Josh Bloom is a, a guy who stepped up big time in his leads. Another prospect. There's like whatever Winnipeg would want in a Connor Hellebuck trade. Basically, the only thing the Sabres couldn't give them is like win now roster players. Which I don't if think that Winnipeg's going to be in that up, spot. Yeah. yeah. If you're giving up Winnipeg or Winnipeg, giving up Hellebuck, you're not going to want those types of guys. You you are about to to blow the thing up. And I'm glad you just went on that little you know detail into the, the, the look into their system because you know I'm sitting here saying I think goaltending is the last thing that's going to hold them back. If you're a Buffalo Sabres fan or if you're in the Buffalo Sabres front office and you're convinced that Devin Levi is the guy, that conversation we just had now can apply not only to a Connor Hellebuck that becomes available, but any forward, any younger player that becomes available, any younger skater, defenseman, you know, center winger that becomes available because that pool, it's not like you can only trade those guys for a goaltender. That applies, you know, tenfold to everybody across the league. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really optimistic on the Sabres' chances to make moves and set themselves up for success for that window, like you said, because they have that yeah. flexibility now. I just, you know, personally think that, the question mark's still going to be in net till proven otherwise. But that oh, doesn't it mean it can't be, you know, it doesn't mean they can't add from other directions besides goaltending. No, no doubt it is. And, you know, you look at the, if there's one weakness in the Sabre system, it's on defense. And it's sort of a catch 22 because the only reason it's a weakness is that their blue line is Owen Power, Rasmus Dahlin, and Matthias Samuelson today. Yeah. Like, those guys, depending on your definition of a prospect, like 19, 22, and 22, they're still prospects. Yeah. And so you look at their pool, you know, you look down in Rochester or the guys they've drafted, you're like, oh, man, there's not a whole lot here. It's because you, the top five guys for the Sabres on defense are not going to change for a decade if they don't want them to. So I'm not. that's why I'm not worried about giving up a Ryan Johnson for somebody like that. So I'm not worried about Tobias lining in or, or, or whatever. Not to mention the Sabres drafted the goalie um, with the number of, I think it was 41 pick. That's Tobias lining in. Yeah. Again, it's like what in the, there's just an embarrassment of riches in this system, especially at forward and especially in net mm -hmm. with UPL, Levi, and Portillo. So do you trade? two of those goaltenders for Hellebuck and make the trade work. Like I know Winnipeg would be like, well, we don't want all the scraps of your prospect system. They're not scraps. No, I wouldn't they're say not that they're scraps. And you know, I'm no. harder than the Buffalo. I'm harder on the Sabres than many. And I wouldn't say you they're are. scraps. And, and you know what? 
And if you need somebody to make that trade like that work, and like I, I really hope Casey Middlestat can have a big year because he's kind of in the, all right, are, are we, he's 23. What is Casey Middlestat kind of having that conversation? He's been hurt. He's dealt with stuff like hernias and, and core muscle injuries, which, which are very easy to zap guys, groin injuries. They can make you look half the player you are yep. for a long time. Absolutely. So a lot of question marks here, but a lot of good things coming for the Sabres. And uh, you've, you, I think you've sort of talked me into the Hellebuck thing. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're too into their young goalies. But if it does happen, there's pathways. Absolutely. Um, let's shift gears here to the – you know what, NRD, let's save, let's save the Metro and the Pacific for next week. I don't hate that. How's that sound? That sounds great How's that sound? So, bef- so instead, instead of that, how about we talk Toronto? Yeah, I'm down to talk Maple Leafs. I am always down to talk Maple Leafs. We kind of touched on the Bruins a little bit. We kind of touched on everybody a little bit, but the Maple Leafs. And I wanted to do this because I think if you don't, if you don't do something big this year, I think they clean house. Yeah. And like when I say clean house, I mean clean, clean, clean house. They're Unfortunately, we know this about them. They're so top-heavy. In the period where the salary cap is still too even year over year to make things really, really work and add guys that they need to compete at more than the first round or at more than the second round right of the, of the playoffs. They're a good team, mm-hmm. obviously. They're a playoff team, obviously. But do they have the juice? Do they have the horses? Aside from going and signing the 37-year-old dude every year who just wants one more run at it yep. and doesn't make it. How many times has that happened to the Maple Leafs in the last three years? Every year. Every year. And now you're doing it with a goalie who, Stanley Cup, but who knows? Two Stanley Cups, but who knows? Two Stanley Cups, but who knows? Right? Who knows? I mean... What is going on in Matt Murray's head right now? Two of those Stanley Cups came with, you know, an elite Pittsburgh Penguins team with Sidney Crosby coming back and being at the top of his game. So, no, I listen, they're, everything in your mind says that Toronto's going to make that leap finally, year after year, but yet there's 1,967 reasons why they still have yet to get over that first round hump. And it starts in the net, right? We're going from, you know, Freddie Anderson was thought to be the guy to Jack Campbell was thought to be the guy. Now it's Matt Murray's turn who, you know, the, he brings, he comes with the most successful baggage out of any goaltender they've brought in over the past, like, you know, five or six years. So I'll give him that. But how much of that success was on Matt Murray Hard to tell when you look at what he's done in Ottawa was not great. His sample size was not grand in Ottawa. And yes, they were a very poor team, you know, for the for the time that Matt Murray was in Ottawa for most of the time there. So there's some excuse, but still a question mark to me. Then you go outwards, you know, do they have the depth on the blue line? You saw what happened when they lost a couple of key pieces on the blue line towards the end of the year last year. They started to falter. And it and it hurts and it hurts a team like Toronto that we talk about is so reliant on their top guys to get going. When you don't have that supplemental help coming from, you know, your third pair of defensemen, your second pair of defensemen, your third line, you struggle mightily. And we saw that in the playoffs. We saw them get, we saw them lose in seven to a team that had no business of beating them. And that's not to take anything away from the Tampa Bay Lightning. But you look at what Tampa did in game six and game seven, back to back, extremely gritty performances by a team that had experience, by a team that was taught how to win and a team that knows how to win. And Toronto simply just doesn't know how to win right now. And I think no. that's their big, their biggest thing is no one's disputing the talent they have. And I'm not saying anything that's original to, you know, Cold Stove Pot or myself. I mean, everybody's saying it, but like, we have to talk about it. Nobody's questioning what they have there in talent, but everybody questions their acumen for winning, their acumen to lay it all on the line in a game seven, because they have fallen short year after year after year after year. And, and I really, I really thought, you know, Haha, ha, the memes are so funny. Toronto's going to do it this year in game six. And 
They simply just lost two games in a row. So, you know, maybe they are doomed. I don't know what to say about Toronto, but I do agree to your point that we started this off with that if they don't get it done this year, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, one or both are wearing different uniforms going into the 2023-2024 season. Yeah, and you look at you look at what's about to happen. Kerfoot, Pierre Engvall, David Kampf, Nicholas Obey-Kubel, Michael Bunting. All UFAs next year. So that that like the depth forwards for Toronto could look very, very, very different if something happens this year, another first-round exit, maybe at the hands of the Buffalo Sabres. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. But my goodness, could things go in a weird direction with Toronto? And if they do, if they do, could you see a guy like Matthews saying, I'm done? Not Austin Matthews. Not Austin Matthews. Mitch Marner, though. Yeah. Saying, trade me. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, you know, give me the uh, and then behind I mean, the scenes, behind the scenes Toronto Maple Leafs series this year. Let's run it back. Whether it's going good or bad. Yeah, all or nothing Toronto part seven, it feels like. Which, really quick, I mean, you just named Matthews and, and Marner. The one fall guy who's been the fall guy for the last three or four years now William Nylander, I think, is criminally underrated. Oh, great hockey Criminally player. underrated. His brother's not uh, not so much, but... <laughs> Their father was a great for, hockey love, player. Uh, father was a great hockey player. His brother, uh, I wish him the best, but did not work out in Buffalo. No, but William Nylander has been the... Has he not been the scapegoat for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, and it's he like, always has, because it's like, oh, where's this, when's this guy going to step up, and this guy's this? And, I'd argue he... At times, he's shown me more than Mitch Marner. And I know it's crazy yeah, to say. Yeah, I, I agree. No, I totally like, agree with but that. But Mitch Marner has kind of, you started to hear it this year. Like, the Leafs fans had started to turn on Mitch Marner by the end of this season. But, like, leading up to, it's always been William Nylander as the scapegoat. And Mitch Marner was, like, protected on his pedestal. I hope that narrative shifts this year if they have the same, you know, outcome. Because I think William Nylander is criminally underrated. I think he did a lot of great things for the Maple Leafs in the past couple of seasons. He's earned every penny of his contract. And really, he's the most affordable guy that they have there. I mean, in terms of value for what he's getting paid, mm-hmm. William Nylander's on a sweetheart deal. I think he's the last guy you really want to move. I agree. I totally agree. I think you maybe you put Nylander on Matthews's wing and you see uh, see see what's really going on there. I agree. I don't. I don't it. know. Just saying. Uh, that's. Uh, Interesting stuff on the May Police. That's kind of it right now, NRD, for those two divisions that I wanted to get dig into. I uh, want to give you guys a full look at the Pacific and the Metro next week. We'll talk to New York, still do it. We'll talk is Anaheim and LA. Is are those the teams? Like we said last year, one of those teams is gonna make the playoffs. And guess what? You were right. Arturi Lekinen, wherever he goes, they're gonna win the Stanley Cup. Guess what? Colorado Stove is right. Won the Stanley Cup. Which I mean, Cold so, Stove uh, is right. That might you might have to make a sound bite out of that. Might have to be a button there. Just press it. Cold Stove is always just, right. Just run back our uh, our hits from last year. Our Terry Lekkinen. We had Jack Eichel trade day. The greatest the greatest hits of the Cold Stove podcast. Remember, remember the fourth of November. There you go. Famously. NRD, that's gonna do it for the Cold Stove podcast this week. Uh please subscribe, rate, review, give us five stars. See a lot more this season. NRD, where can the folks find you at home? Well, I hope they don't find my home, Brett. <laughs> but it's it's tough. It's at the side of a cave. I actually we met up last week. We did. The directions were very confusing. It, can't map quest it. Can't put it in your time. Well, you have to time. go under the 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 waterfall. Really throws off the GPS. That's the way. I it's like on it. purpose. I'm Let's sure. Keep it yeah, secret. Exactly. No, you can find me over on Twitter at NHL Rumors Daily. I'm not leaving Twitter. Never have. Never will. Love everybody that has shown us support over the past year. I'm so excited to get things going, both, you know, for NRD and for Cold Stove. I mean, this is this is a huge part of what I do now, and I'm very excited to see Cold Stove grow, whether that's, you know, with your support on the podcast, Twitter spaces, anything we do on social. So I'm really excited for this year ahead. No doubt about it. I'm excited as well. Uh, look out for some merch. Look out for some more social. Look out for some Twitter spaces. Get people involved. Get people talking. Maybe we'll even have like a hotline number 
where pissed off Maple Leafs fans can call in and say, you guys don't know what you're talking about. There you go. Shouts to Shaq. Anyway, NRD, that's going to do it for this week. We'll see you guys next week on the Cold Stove Podcast. Peace. Peace.